0: all right we're here with sean woodland and tommy marquez talking elite fitness hosts and well-rounded entrepreneurs you guys are a part of many different things but that's the big push right now getting people to check you guys out listening to the new podcast talking about the games how has that been going in 2020 i'll
1: let tommy start all
2: right well uh it's been been going pretty good um the uh we 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 our podcast started back in January, the, the week before Wadapalooza started, and it was, it was a project that I felt like was maybe a little bit of a long time coming. It's something that we had talked about um, in you know behind the scenes when we were working at CrossFit. Like a podcast is a format I think we could both really have a good time doing, and it's something that allows us to both a a cover the spill- up, dive into some of the more longer form discussion type stuff that we don't necessarily get to touch on an update show or in a live broadcast where everything's so regimented down to the second. So it really kind of started out of this as this kind of like fun kind of passion project, like let's go do this and, um, just try and have some fun with it. And it very quickly got some legs to where it's like, okay, this is, this is a format that kind of fits us and we're having a good time. Let's maybe, you know, dedicate a little bit more time and resources and, um, attention to it. And as, the season kind of went along. It became very clear that the number of reliable, like outlets for information in the in the space was very limited now, and that people were very, um, I guess, hungry information hungry, uh, and they were really enjoying the longer format. Where now that there wasn't as many outlets providing the information, they could take the time to dive into a a forty five or sixty minute podcast and really dig into all the things that we are providing and. Um, I mean, we, we set a goal, uh, about a million verified downloads for our first year. Um, we hit that and like, I think we hit, we started in, we started in January, we hit 500,000 in June, we hit a million in August and we just broke 1.5. So we're on pace for about 2.2 2 in our first year. So it's been, the response has been overwhelming and pretty humbling actually. And, uh, um, we're both kind of very honored that it's something that's resonated with the community so well.
1: Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that, you know, Tommy and I started this. I mean, it was kind of like we, I know for me, I had to just force myself to do it because once every, you know, when we were, when we were both let go, I think we were both kind of looking trying to figure out what the hell we were going to do and how we were going to keep this thing going and if there was even going to be, you know, an opportunity to keep it going. So uh, like Tommy said, we just said, all right, let's just do a podcast. That's something that we can do uh, that's at a production level that that's acceptable to us because we didn't want to you know given what we had done with the update show we didn't want to do something that was less than that uh so we we did a little bit of that with inside Elite fitness on youtube and just because of you know resources and, and manpower it just wasn't sustainable so we just figured we we would concentrate on the, on the podcast and uh yeah like you said it's uh it has taken off i think more than we would have anticipated i thought we would have some success just given you know, who we were and and like Tommy said they are really wasn't someone in the space providing the information but it's become kind of a business now <laughs> we actually i had no intel i didn't think we had have have budgets and you know keep track of sponsors and all that stuff but what we we do and we have merchandise and you know on a website we created and you know, those are good problems to have and i hope it keeps rolling
0: well yeah and you, you talk about whether or not you were going to launch right away i had heber cannon on from the buttery bros last week and you know we kind of talked about the same thing you guys went through CrossFit for the most part eliminates media. This wasn't in the back of your mind, like, hey, as soon as we get let go or as soon as this kind of ship sinks, we're gonna dive into our own thing. Did you really have to think about it? Because from an outside perspective, it makes total sense that you guys would just dive right into this.
1: Yeah, I think I think we did because um we for the longest time as we were going through everything at HQ, there were things that were being we were told being worked on that might uh allow us to keep working but with somebody else covering the sport so i don't think tommy and i ever really had that serious conversation until all that kind of fell through uh and then at that point i think it just became you know do you really want to jump back into it um i think you know we were sort of just you know there was some anger there i think that we and some just disappointment that we were trying to get over and then yeah and then after after all that kind of went away the thought was yeah. Why wouldn't we do this? I mean, there's still a sport that needs to be covered. We have a lot of experience doing it. And then we just found a way to, to get it going. And I'm super happy that people have responded the way they have.
2: Yeah. And, and when, uh, kind of touching on what Sean said, uh, I, I had kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, and maybe he touched on this as well. Um, when we all got laid off, we got, a lot of us were given separate dates. So some, uh, some people were given different final dates. Um, actually my one year, uh, from getting let go was just this past Tuesday October 15th and so um, when that was our kind of our D-day I guess if you will and like I I got myself Heber and got let go like on the spot and other people still were kept on uh, on board till November December when certain projects were done so I felt like there was this interesting kind of cooling off period that um, that Heber myself and Marston kind of had where we were still a little bit jilted from the news, um, but some of our friends and, you know, Sean and a couple of our other uh, close friends were still there and still finishing out, um, and so there was this kind of weird, like, no man's land for us where, like, the full team wasn't let go yet, and so it would, it, we were kind of, like, trying to formulate ideas and plans around what would be next without everyone being up, that we wanted to be involved, being able to be involved, So I I liken it kind of to like, uh, getting your heart broken, like in a relationship where like, you know, you go through those cycles of grief and like, you're like, Oh my God, like, I'm never doing that again. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I'm still a human being. I still feel, I still want, (laughs) I like, I want to love again. I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get, get back into it. And that's pretty much how it was. And then by, by the time everyone was basically cut loose in December, um, the season was already starting, um. Other outlets had, I was, I was fortunate on my end, other outlets had reached out to me to to help out and stuff like that. And um, by that point we had already kind of figured out that we wanted to do it. Um, I, I don't know if you ever touched on it too. We had uh, at the time we were, we were all kind of like collectively in Marston's garage, just kind of like sitting there, like stewing, trying to be creative. Listen, you know, it was like this like little box of creativity. And, it, and by the time we, you know, we came out the other side, we were, you know, heading to Dubai for the first event, and then you know, before you know, it, we had the podcast, and things started rolling.
0: So it's a year later. Do you now look back on this as this was actually good for my career and good for me?
2: Um, yes, um, but I I don't think it's a it's a simple just like oh yeah absolutely. Um, I'm very fortunate to have some people that I uh, I I look up to in the space. Uh, one of them in particular who's been a really good uh I guess I don't know sounding board for me is Matt O'Keefe he's the president of Loud and Live and he said he reached out to me right away and he was like hey man it may not feel like this yet but this is going to be the best decision that's like the best thing that's ever happened to you career-wise um and he's like just he's like just because you're going to have complete freedom for a while and it's probably something you haven't had in a long time and I while I agree with him I also think that I don't think it's just like a, f- a finite, like a binary, like yes or no. It's like something that I have to continue to work to m- continually be true. Like it's only going to be the best decision, best thing that's ever happened to me. If I continually work to make it the best, um, it's not like, Oh, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me now. Now I can just chill out and, you know, you know, do whatever I want to do now. It's like, no, it's like this, it's not this like finite end point that I, that I like work to. And then, you know, ease off the gas pedal. So, um, I'm, I'm super happy and proud about what we've been able to do in the last year, especially because it's been done on our terms, um, which is super rewarding, but it's also like, it makes me want to make sure that that continues to be the case.
1: Well, yeah, I'd agree. So I just, have, I'd agree hundred percent, hundred percent with that. It's, it's sort of, yes, but kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's gone really well for us, but we certainly have to, you know, keep working hard doing what we're doing keep trying to provide you know good content in for the sport and then I think also we have to I think trust and rely on people like Tommy mentioned Matt O'Keefe people who are really trying to regrow this sport uh, because a lot of what we do is going to be dependent on the success that they have so I think that we are at a good starting point right now and I think that if things go well this could work out you know extremely well for both of us.
0: What do you two do to stay ahead of the curve? I mean, other than being two good-looking dudes with solid voices, you know, what, what's, the, what's your biggest advantage? You know, as someone that knows a lot about the sport, I can see a workout, I can kind of analyze who I think would fall where, what a good time is. What do you guys do to stay ahead of just any, you know, Joe and Susie from saying, hey, I'm going to go into this industry and I'm going to become, you know, the Joe Rogan, of CrossFit.
1: Well, I mean, I think there's we Tommy and I think what what makes what we're doing work so well is that we I think we have definitely two d- different set, sets of skills. I mean, Tommy is, and I'll I'll say it is the best you know CrossFit analyst in the world as far as his knowledge goes, as far as his ability to you know break down a workout and know understand history of things, understand athlete strengths and weaknesses, not only in CrossFit but also you know in weightlifting. Uh, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, of all that. Uh for me, I think my experience comes more from the broadcast side. Uh having been in, you know, television covered other sports, you know, NFL, college football, um, you know, NCAA, basketball, you know, I spent like twelve years of my career, you know, covering different sports. Um, so I think that's my skill set paired with Tommy's skill set. We have been able to come up with something that, that allows us to put the information out there in an organized and clear way. And it, it's cool because it's really like, it's like, it, I love team sports and and it's cool working. It's even though it's just a team of two, because, you know, I have sort of my role and Tommy has his role. And then we, you know, we both need to know the athletes and we both need to understand history, but I think we complement each other really well. And then I think what also sets us apart is just, you know, our uh, history with some of the athletes, our history with some of these events, and then our, uh, the access that we have and the trust I think that a lot of the athletes have with us so that if, if we reach out to them to do an interview or to get some information, they know that we're going to you know, keep the things that they say not to say publicly. We're going to keep those to ourselves and then we're going to talk about the things that they say are okay so we don't betray that trust.
2: And, and, oh, sorry. And to build off that a little bit, I think uh, uh, there's a couple of things that, I, like, that I've thought about this a lot as two common threads that I think that really uh, make our dynamic work. One, Sean and I are both, outside of CrossFit, we're both really big sports fans. Um, and, and that, that is a, a culture and a mindset of not just sitting back and casually observing, but wanting to understand what's going on on the screen in front of us when we're watching our favorite teams or watching a sport. Um, there's that kind of curiosity mixed with like genuine interest Um, I mean, yesterday, Sean and I are texting. Well, in the last three weeks, particularly, we've been lamenting our, like, football teams (laughs) just blowing up the wrong way. Um, But on top of that, we're always, like, you know, Sean's a huge hockey fan. Like, I'm a hockey fan, too, but Sean, that's definitely his avenue. I'm a big basketball. We both like baseball. We're both, like, constantly chewing up um, knowledge in that sports arena. And while the sports are different, the general foundation for, like, learning and acquiring knowledge and being able to translate that um definitely has carryover and it makes us like i use the terminology sports nerd all the time like if you want to i feel like if you want to be relatively good at this like you have to be you have to love what you're doing and be a genuine sports nerd about it and and want to get that information not just because it's your job but because you enjoy it and i think that um on top of that i mean both of us now i mean in 2019 we're probably bordering on 20 years of combined in the community between the two of us um and so we've had time not just to go through that like initial cycle like oh this crossfit thing is the best thing ever you know like we've gone through the craze we've been like the had the honeymoon phase and we've come back from it and then we've you know rediscovered what it means to us to be involved in the community and what it what being a part of it means to us as well. And so now we get to kind of meld those two together. So we have this long-term understanding of, you know, how the community fits in our lives, as well as, you know, this general passion for sports and, and sports media and knowledge and stuff like that to where we consume it on a regular basis. And I think that's, I don't know, it's just kind of blended together in this nice little mixture so far.
0: How much time do you spend every week on the data, Tommy?
2: I, oof, do you want me to put an hour number to it? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Something uh, like that. I mean, give us an idea of yeah. you know, a, a, about how much time do you have to spend every week to stay up to date, especially in season, especially in a sport where you don't know what the next, I mean, football, all right, we're playing on a hundred yard field. This is the rules. Yeah. You don't know what 20.3 is going to be. And within a few minutes, you have to think, okay, who's going to do the best and and why?
2: Um If So in terms of like hard time spent looking at stuff like leaderboards, historical workouts, um, it sounds funny, like athlete profiles on Instagram to see what people are doing. (sighs) Just on that alone, maybe 30 to 40 hours a week. Like it's one of those things that's hard to quantify because I don't turn it off. (laughs) It's uh, it it drives my fiance nuts sometimes because she's always like, well, why are you looking at this? And I'm like, well, like, it's job. Yeah, it's my job. And it's like <laughs> one of those things where like, it's not like a nine to five, you know, it's like people, it's almost like a, with this like round the clock news cycle, it's almost like I can always be looking at a leaderboard. I can always be checking to see if any athletes have posted scores. I can always be looking at, you know, where people are in their off season training and programming and stuff like that. I could be reaching out to athletes. Um, I'm also generally, also generally writing stories a couple at a time per week. Um, so it's one of those i, I would say it just in terms of pure studying, I would say probably thirty ish hours with um at least um and that's that's really hard to that's like a t- that's a tough number for me to put to but I, I do spend a lot of time just trying to like absorb knowledge and then you know turn that around into stories articles, podcasts all that good stuff
0: i th- I think that's the day and age that we live in though right yeah. when if you're an entrepreneur like we were talking before the show about Thunderbro and my help there or even with best hour it's non-stop but if, i was talking to my wife the other day and it's like yeah but if we want to take two hours during the day to go work out we can do that where most people have a nine to five and they're limited by their schedule yeah if if you guys didn't broadcast for crossfit what sport would you prefer Ooh, that's
1: a good one um i'd either i'd say football or hockey
0: professional I,
1: yeah, even, you know what, even, even college, or I just, um, I just love, I'm a huge football fan. So even if we're just high school, I'd love doing that. College, I've, uh, you know, I've covered it. I've never done, you know, play by play or anything for it. Um, but I just love, like Tommy said, I'm just, a, I'm a sports nerd, and I'm a huge football nerd, love hockey as well. They're probably my two favorite sports, usually depending on which one of my teams is doing better uh, in, in the respective leagues. But um, yeah, that that would be, that would be mine, because I just, I can even just remember, as a kid, just being fascinated with uh, the game of football and and loving the X's and the O's and just the way that they, things would be drawn up and and plays and and different schemes. I, you know, it's goes back to that just being a sports nerd where, you know, you're not only are you trying to watch and enjoy what's going on on the screen, but as Tommy said, you want a a deeper understanding of it. And, and that I would love to get in uh, to that sport.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Football is, is, It's it's uh, for me it would be football or basketball. I was a big basketball player. I love uh, it's probably my it's probably my favorite sport to play. Uh, But there's something about football that is and it sounds kind of weird. That's almost uniquely American above all other sports. Um, Whereas like you know it like I mean that's why outside of the United States it's called American football, and it's it's a culture that I think that. Isn't replicated very many other places between both the fo- the, the professional and college ranks, um, and they're they're also very distinct in that regard. So I I really like college football a lot. Um, uh, I like some of the historic rivalries and things like that. But you know, I nothing gets me jacked up like like watching some like high tempo basketball. So it, it'd be it'd be kind of tough. But I think from a covering from a sports perspective. The, the fact that there's more people on the field for NFL um, and there's more variables in the NFL um, and it isn't as fluid as the NBA when, you know, you got five people playing offense, defense. I think the, the ability to kind of dig in on the NFL side is a little bit greater. So I'd probably go that too.
0: So I've been involved in CrossFit since 2006 owned three affiliates, worked for the seminar team, long resume it's challenging at times to stay motivated. You guys have been involved, like you said, 20 years combined, 10 years each, travel the world, spend 30 hours a week looking at it. How do you two stay motivated to train? Because I assume that's how we all get into it, right? I found CrossFit yeah. as a way to, to train myself, train my clients, so you still have to love it yourself. Has it been harder for you being so invested in the sport or has that made it even
2: more
1: fun for you? Hmm. I know for me, yeah, you know, being 45, approach quickly barreling towards 46, um, the, the appeal of CrossFit and the, the way I stay motivated is I like to compete with myself. I'm not, I mean, I do like to compete, but I always like to go out and say, hey, can I do this better than I did it last time? And that, that goes, it's the same thing with like, I play a lot of video games. It's the same thing. It's like, I want to do this you know, this level better than I did it last time. I don't want to make, you know, the same mistakes that I did last time. And so it's, for me, the the motivation comes from, let's see if I can be a little better today. And then the other part is too, is that I look around the world in general and it's skewed a lot because I hang out with really fit people all the time, like Tommy and, you know, the buttery bros and those guys. And I am the least fit among those dudes. But when I go out in public and I'm walking around the local Costco or Target, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm a freaking Spartan warrior here, it's, and and I don't want to be, you know, I, I I it's fitness is important to me, and I, that, I don't mean that from a sense of being able to go in the the gym and you know snatch a certain amount of weight or do Fran in a certain amount of time. It's important to me that I, that I'm able to just live a, a healthy life and enjoy things. I I think back to my wife, and I took a quick trip down to the sand. And we went to the San Diego Zoo for a day and we went there, we showed up when it opened and we left when it closed and we walked the whole thing, maybe like four or five times. And there, and just looking around that place, very few people could do that. I mean, there were people in their mobility scooters. There were people with canes, you know, my, both my parents have trouble getting around and it's very limiting on them. I don't want to be that way. And it's, so for me, it's just about a quality of life. And yes, I want to be able to set PRs and improve my times, but I just, Want to be healthy, and and I think about the alternative to that, and I and like you know I I get out in the gym, and so it's not necessarily about numbers or you know how much you lift. It's just about being able to to live life to its fullest and have a fitness that uh, that you can use in everyday life, so you can enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah,
2: for me, for me, there's a there's a couple things that kind of play into it. I certainly struggle sometimes with like the motivation to like go train and and kind of keep up with. My, I guess my fitness, especially when on the road traveling, you know, things start to pile up and, you know, before you know it, it's been, you've worked out once that week and (laughs) you're starting to feel a little bit more sluggish, but, um, I am one and fiercely competitive, almost to a fault when it comes to physical activity. Like it doesn't matter if it's horseshoes, if it's spike ball, if it's rec league basketball, like if, if like we line up across from each other, like I want to win. And I know that usually takes me pushing myself very hard to do that. And and I just I I I relish the arena of competition. Um, so that certainly helps because I always I always try to plan something competitive for me to like shoot for to keep as a goal to like kind of have that carrot dangled in front of me. But the other thing is like I'm I'm very fortunate that I've had some inter- some life events that have allowed that have given me continuous motivation, I guess. So I found CrossFit um, while I was working in mental health services um, as a part of a nonprofit. So um, it was a a foster adoption care agency, and I was part of the mental health clinic that provided services for the kids coming in. Um, That job was extremely heavy and very emotional, and CrossFit became my outlet from that. And I very quickly realized that the ability to separate myself from this and go work out in a in an intense environment like CrossFit is a luxury, um, so it was something that I consistently reminded myself while I was still in that. The other side of that is when I was twenty. When I was twenty, um, my one of my best friends from growing up died from t- type two diabetes from complications of it. So um, he didn't know it that he had it, um, and it was something that went undiagnosed just because he was twenty years old. He was living the college lifestyle relatively unhealthy though Um, unlike the rest of our other friends he wasn't the one working out or anything like that so um, that was kind of a really harsh wake-up call for me uh, in terms of health and fitness in general Um, so that's something that um, I have a tattoo from that and it's something that's kind of like a daily reminder so um, even when I do struggle it's kind of like well you know my my buddy Ryan isn't here so um, it's something that again another luxury that I have and I have the the mental faculties and the physical faculties to fix this myself so you know you know snap out of it i guess <laughs> um yeah. you know and go and and you know go be better
0: no I, I love it that's a great segue to what i wanted to ask you guys you know trying to put your slight biases aside right you you're clearly invested in the games i saw coach glassman speak at the affiliate gathering recently and he also spoke at the trainer summit last week and it's very clear he's pushing towards CrossFit health, and that's why all the downsizing and all of that mm-hmm. happened. What do you guys think that means from a box owner perspective and for the long term success of the sport? You know, obviously, we're all biased, we all love CrossFit, mm-hmm. you know, but do you agree with the direction of it? Or do you feel like, and do you think it's going to benefit the boxes or do you feel like this was a fumble in, um, in, in the direction that we're going? I don't
2: disagree with the direction whatsoever. Yeah. I honestly think that for the most part, that's kind of what box owners for a long, for like a lot of like the deeply invested box owners, the 10 plus affili- 10, 10 plus year affiliates um, have been doing for a long time. Um, I, th- I generally think that, Um, even with the growth of the games and the prominence of of the sports side of things, the day-to-day work of the affiliates was uh, the health focus. Um, Like the day-to-day of the affiliates, like granted, they may have gotten psyched up for the open and done all those other things. Every day they're in there programming for their gyms and just focusing on the general well-being of their affiliate population. Um, So I don't think that... Necessarily should represent a huge change for some of these affiliates. I think it's more so what the messaging that comes from the top down um, that CrossFit is providing. Um, I I'm I still I'm still kind of filtering through what that may be, mean for the long-term success of the sport because in my opinion they both can you know cohabitate together and be symbiotic to one another. Um, but I, I just. I don't know if this like health initiative necessarily represents this huge like shift in focus at the affiliate level for people who are generally invested in the well-being of their community on a, you know, day by day, hour by hour basis.
1: Yeah, I don't. And I've talked a lot about this with uh, a lot of people. I don't disagree with the goal of trying to reach an underserved population or populations. I think that's a noble pursuit. And there's not one person who is down from a games athlete down to just, you know, your uh, 60-year-old grandmother who's in the gym trying to just be healthier. No one would disagree with that. The problems that I have had are that it's just the messaging of it. It's that this, you're trying to reach an underserved population. So let's just take people who are sitting at home who are like, like coach says on uh, on the couch on the carbs who have maybe some chronic disease who you know might have some mobility issues and, and have no fitness whatsoever how are you reaching them and you've pulled back all your social media essentially the games are not on tv so you could piggyback off of that. And one of my favorite commercials, and I can't remember the woman's name, but it was the elderly woman who was in the gym and she was saying how she couldn't tie her shoes and now she can tie her shoes. And they showed Constance. her kind of pulling a sled. Constance,
0: that, yeah, from yeah, Constance, the South Brooklyn.
1: That's yeah. an amazing ad. And more and more people need to see that because I do agree that if all you do is watch the games and all you see that, yeah, that could be somewhat intimidating for people. And that message of, of no, no, this is this is infinitely scalable and anybody can do it. Is very important so it's not the fact that you want to focus on health and like Tommy said I think that's already being done inside the boxes is that that is now your focus and that is your message yet I don't understand how you're getting that out and if you say and I believe this wholeheartedly I believe and cross it I believe that they have the most uh, elegant solution to the world's most vexing problem I agree hundred percent with that but if that is the if you do believe that why aren't you shouting that from the mountaintops instead of keeping it I just don't feel like it's getting out to the people who, who you need to reach because let's face it the people who are on the couch on the carbs who have had a lifestyle our lifetime of unhealthy habits are not going to crossfit.com they probably don't know a whole lot of crossfitters and if they do they probably aren't going to be you know just willing to just jump right off the couch and get into an affiliate so I think there just needs to be a more concerted effort from the messaging side of things in order to reach those people. So a lot of times I feel like they're just shouting into the void and not reaching very many, the people who really need to be reached with this message. We all agree with it. It's yeah. just a matter of getting those people who don't know anything about fitness or working out, how are you reaching them? And it seems,
2: and it seems weird to almost alienate the other side of the coin there. Like um, if you're trying to focus on what you feel are the underserved populations, it feels weird it it seems like they're in a, in a, in some respects it's all, they're doing so at the cost of the the people that have been served by crossfit for the last you know 10 15 years the people that can potentially act as the best conduits of this to to this underserved population and um it's it's just one of those things where like why wouldn't you tr- work to serve the entirety of the population and help you know like if I if I've been doing it for ten years and I've been I've been through all those cycles with with the program and I'm still standing here as a as a fervent advocate for it, why not utilize that as a firsthand experience for someone who is underserved and could would like to maybe get that message from someone that's directly in their community? Um, to, to it's kind of you know for lack of a better term like you're almost kind of uh, turning your back on all your foot soldiers the people that gave you the option to be able to focus on this health initiative in the first place. Right. Um, so it's like, like, and to echo what Sean said, like, I I don't think anyone would disagree with wanting to serve these underserved populations. Like he said, the Constance, uh, uh, commercial that ran in millions of households over and over on, on the, during the CrossFit games was one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite commercials along with the grandma Betty with Kristen Pedry working with her grandma. And um, I mean, that really, um, I, I can't remember the term, but there's almost like a, there's a, there's a medical term for like a, anytime you get like a supplement, you take another supplement with it and it almost boosts it. I can't remember the term, but I always felt like the games were like this boosting supplement for the health initiative when they were paired together properly. Right. Because you also get, you get to see the full scope of what this program is capable of not just this is meant to serve others, th- this population. It's the idea of infinite scalability requires that you need the top end people to showcase the, the scalability from the get go. Um, so I, it's, it's one of those things where like, like Sean said, I, I just think the message could be delivered a little bit better.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jason.
0: Well, I know, and I'm very biased towards CrossFit and I can understand where you guys are coming from. I think a lot of the messages that you're, referring to are coming i know that the keynotes speech that he gave at the affiliate gathering is going to be released soon and i think a lot of the topics and, and and the things that you're bringing up here are valid but it's going to be addressed in the coming future with that being said yeah i agree right we need coach glassman has always said it's trickle down we need the mats and the t is out there yeah. to to trickle down and get those in between people you know above the those with chronic disease but I do I do think it's coming and I think sometimes we all think CrossFit is this hard thing that we all love and we're all so passionate about and we feel like we have this voice which we do but at the same time coach Glassman's the one steering the ship and and we want to we want to take over at times but don't realize how challenging that could probably be sure
1: yeah I'd agree with that and I think the other thing I was going to say is that there are, for whatever reason, I've, I I get the message, and this may be me just misinterpreting things, but it seems like you're either you're either a fan of the games and the and, and the elite side of things, or you're a fan of the health stuff. You you can't be in both sides, and that's I've talked to a lot of you know affiliate owners and and, and people who go to affiliates who are who say I love the games. I, I know I'm not a games athlete. I don't want to train like a games athlete, but I love the open, and I used to love watching regionals, and I love the games. But at the same time. I can get as much enjoyment out of that as I can watching the 55-year-old come into my gym and get his first pull-up. Mm-hmm. If there's an equal amount of pleasure derived from both of those things, and why can't it be one and not the other? Yeah, and, and, and that's, the that's just a question we get a lot.
2: Of. Yeah, and it's it's like it's it feels almost like the pendulum has swung so far in one direction in the past year that it's like, well, why why aren't we actively cultivating figuring out a system that can support both of these? Um, in a way that can maybe um, reach a greater audience than any just one of these pursuits singularly can do, and uh, what I what I worry about, and like and you mentioned, Jason, that like the mess the messages are coming with keynote speeches, speeches, and stuff like that. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that the messages are going to be coming over time as this this path gets fleshed out. But the way that they started off in this path, I'm worried about how many people have turned a, a, turned a they're you know turned away from it and you know kind of are closed off to it now how many people have left the room as a result of how they've gotten off on this path it's like i mean if if there were you know two million people before this all these changes started um that were willing to listen to that speech um and these changes happen with you know the the communication or lack thereof and half of those people walked away is that message getting out as effectively as it as it could have been before you know and it's tough and it's that's that's a hard thing to quantify i guess um but that these are all concerns that come from us being like oh man like this message is so good and it could be getting out to so many more people and we could be so much more effective about doing this that like you know it's not coming from a place of like we just want to criticize or anything like that it's like
0: oh man we want. i
1: don't
0: think anybody should take that from you guys at all that's certainly (laughs) not um what you're preaching
1: because i don't like we don't have the answers, and we want to see this thing succeed on both sides. I want to see unhealthy people get healthy, and I want to see the games and the game season continue to thrive and I, I spoke with one uh, affiliate owner, and we were talking, and she was she had two points to make about the the uh, you know the obese and the uh, underserved community and the and the people who have no fit experience whatsoever coming to her, her gym. And she said, well, first off, I want to help those people like I really do, but a lot of times they need more than just exercise. They need, there are some, for lack of a better term, mental issues there that maybe that they have to deal with that affects their relationship with food. And I'm not equipped to handle that. I can help them, you know, get, get moving and get a little bit healthier. Um, but she goes, I have a little bit of concern with that too. The, the other thing that I've had brought up to me is that when people say, okay, we're focusing, I'm a gym owner and this is now the focus. Well, what percentage of my business is that really? How many of those people do I have in my gym? And if we are now focusing on them more, how many more am I getting? And is, is the juice kind of worth the squeeze there as far as the message goes and the and the, the emphasis we're putting behind it? Um, and I think that's a valid question. I don't have an answer for that. Um, but I think that's what gym owners are, are thinking out there. They just they just want, and I, and Tommy mentioned this too, clear communication as to what the goal is. And I think a lot of times questions get asked and then they don't really get answered.
0: Well, what, one big change this year was clearly the opening up of the games to the top winners in the country. Mm-hmm. How hard was that for you guys to follow, and were you at all surprised? So for me, for example, I was judging that first event, the first cut, mm-hmm. and I didn't follow a lot of those athletes coming in, and I expected them to hang a little bit more. I was like, hey, these are the best people in India; they should be pretty good, you know. And I judged that guy, and he didn't get past the rope climbs; I didn't make it to the to the snatch bar. Were you guys expecting that, and if so? How much harder did that make your jobs this past year, preparing for 150 people you'd never heard of? <laughs> um,
2: this is this is a this is kind of a tough question um, for me personally, just because I did expect that, and I Take did her. expect a lot of these athletes to just not even be on the same, like playing field respect like level wise as as some of the top athletes and that that was something that was it was it was kind of bittersweet for me right because we're at the games right and i don't want to necessarily have to be before we even come in i don't want to be counting athletes out you know um one of one of the, the issues that i had is i i was hoping that there would be some sort of threshold for the national champions like the top you know 50 or top 100 national champions on the worldwide leaderboard get to go so there's this clear line of, um, and almost like this benchmark for people to shoot for that will in turn help, you know, uh, encourage improvement across the board um, and give someone, give some of these national champions in developing countries a goal to shoot for. But when that wasn't the case, and that's not the case this year, you see, you go down the national champion leaderboard and suddenly like, I'm looking at athletes, 50, 60, maybe 70 of these athletes that are going to be at the games, um, on each division that like no disrespect to them, that like I'm more fit than on the world wide leaderboard. Well, you and are I, beating
0: you are beating Justin, <laughs> you, so know, you're pretty fit, Tommy.
2: Two up, yeah. two it But uh, I, uh, but I have, and I have no business being on the on the floor of the CrossFit Games. Um, at, at least from the, the the standpoint that this is like the fittest on earth. Now I understand the the increased desire to have global participation from the bottom levels all the way up to the top, but what it did i think particularly last year is um for some of the like the, the we had about heats of 50 i think the only reason that first heat was even watchable was because of ben smith yeah you know because he was one of the the unseated athletes and was in the first heat beyond that i don't think um i think it felt almost like uh it almost felt like the freshman and watching the freshmen and JV teams of a high school team go. It's like, yeah, we're encouraging it because we know somebody on the team there, but this isn't the show. We're just waiting. We're just here waiting for the varsity team to show up and like the, the, the best athletes to go out. Right. And, and I think that's I uh, I don't blame the athletes for showing up and wanting to do that. And wanting to represent your country. That's fantastic. Um, but I also don't want to, I also feel like it almost did a disservice to them. Cause like, you know, we, I mean, I didn't consider any of them legit, like legitimate contenders to actually do something from a competitive standpoint. So for me, I wasn't really paying attention to them that much. Um, I was watching Ben Smith, and then I was preparing my notes for the other events. Um, and in the event that someone did show up and do really well, then okay, then I'll turn my attention to it. But you, you don't want to ever have to do that. Um, and, you know, so hopefully this is something that it was just a, a one or two off three years down the line. But, um, I mean, that's at least how it kind of was in year one.
0: Are you accidentally though, making a case for cuts? No,
1: because I don't think it's a case for cuts. Well, that's, I think the, 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 I mean, and it was, if you're going to keep with this national champion format. So if you're sticking, if you're sticking with, your light, if with that format, then yes, you absolutely are making the case for cuts. I mean One the of,
0: later cuts. I meant the later cuts. The later oh.
1: cuts? Oh, so like down to 20 or and well, 10? Well,
0: simply, you know, I've judged the last few years. And when you judge four heats in a row of females or males, you see the stands start to fill up towards that last heat or sure. two. Now, granted, those heats, to, you know, backing what Tommy said, are full of very fit human beings, but clearly a level below the top. Mm-hmm. So people kind of lost their mind this year over the cuts, but in reality, were we just getting to varsity?
1: I think you, yes. I think the, so I, I agree I, I, with what you're saying as far as when you had, you know, 40 athletes in the field, you could look at those first two heats and you know say you had, you know, four heats of 10 and you could say, these people are incredibly fit. They are in the, you know, they are the elite of 0.001%. the elite. percent They are not the t- very tip of the spear.
0: And you might see a – I can't think you guys would know better, but someone that's just having a bad – Josh Bridges might have been in the third or fourth heat, even though he's a fan favorite. He was doing you know, poorly, in Mm -hmm. quotes, at the CrossFit Games, which is still better than the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, I think – so I think there is a case to be made, absolutely, for saying that as we get later in the competition, that you only need – you don't need 40. And I'm willing to listen to that argument, absolutely. Yeah, same. Um, I think though, and I'm not against cuts. I just think that from a fan standpoint and a competition standpoint, I think it would have been better if you had kept it at 20, because then I think you still have people who are in that. So you'd have two heats. So you'd have people who are in that first heat who can, who have the, the goal of working themselves into the final heat and who can also affect the competition. And you, and you make it then a more complete test with a field of 20. Um, and I don't, look, I'm not saying that the, the cuts took away from the enjoyment of the competition. I thought it was a fantastic competition in 2019. It was fun to watch, had some really great moments uh, that, you know, your iconic games moments that, that we will talk about for a long time. Um, but I think that people weren't against the cuts. I think people were against it how far they went. And if you're so if you're still married to getting down to 10, maybe you wait until Sunday or the final event so fans and athletes can get their full experience because there were people, and you mentioned, you know, Jason, Josh Bridges. People love watching Josh Bridges compete. They know he's not going to win the games, but they love watching him compete. People want to see Sarah Sigmund's daughter compete. They want to see Annie Thoris' daughter. They want to see Brent Fakowski. They want to see Pat Felder. If you kept it at 20, odds of those people getting in to that final uh that final pack are, are pretty good. I just thought, you know, I'm not against cuts. I, I just think 10 was a little getting down to 10 was kind of just was a little too far. And I think if you backed it off to 20, I think you're right where you need to be.
0: Well, I think that's, what's so cool about CrossFit. And I get frustrated when people lose their minds because it changes every year. So like, you're upset. We went cuts to 10, maybe Dave Castro and maybe coach Glassman realized that was bad. Maybe they loved it, but we won't know. So there's no sense yeah. in getting mad about it. Which yeah. which sanctional are you each looking most forward to being at?
2: Ooh, uh, that's tough. I I was very fortunate to go without to biasing. I know you gotta yeah. you
0: know, don't want to bias.
2: I'm actually really excited for this first one. It's uh, coming up the Filthy 150 in Ireland. Um, it's uh, so I'll be I'll be there covering the event with Morning Up. Um, and it's also looking like maybe we're going to have Sean, maybe like that's going to happen. Yeah. Like Sean's going to come too, and we're going to have a presence there with our podcast. Um, as well as like, you know, to sling some merch and, and, you know, uh, you know, kiss hands and shake babies. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, I, I'm really excited for that one because, um, I've had a chance to sit down and talk with Jamie and Dorina, the, the organizers of that. And I always like getting to talk to sanctional directors. Face to face, and really get to see the passion and, and and how much they're invested in their in their particular event. And the Filthy One Hundred and Fifty is one that's been a very uh, important event to the Irish community, so much so that like I think every single Irish affiliate shows up to that event in some capacity every year. Um, and so being the one that's going to kick off the season. Uh, I think we're going to get to see like just a really good time. I just think they're going to have a blast and there's a lot of big name athletes going. Um, and it's like, it's the first out of 28. So I think the, the the anticipation and the hype will be almost kind of at a fever pitch in that one. And I've never been to Ireland and I hear it's a good time. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that has more, that has more to do with it. You want some Guinness and you want some, sh- <laughs> yeah. some shots out there. Last, last question I want to ask you guys I've asked this before but I've kind of held off but I think you guys would have a better insight than a lot of people each of your opinions the CrossFit Mount Rushmore Ooh.
1: Go ahead, about that. Um, okay we got to put Froning and Fraser up there I mean those are your two men
0: okay well let me dive deeper into there well for a second okay who's the best ever
1: the best ever
0: is it Froning or the- Fraser
1: I think you have to pick one of those two. I, okay, if I had to pick, I've got, I have to go with Fraser. because. It, Who could I, you
0: possibly throw into that mix, Sean?
1: As far as the best, you're talking male and female?
0: Yes, even females, which I highly respect. I mean, they're all fitter and stronger than I am.
1: Yeah. But, I, okay, but no so one's that, put the four years in. I, I mean, mean, I think me, is certainly making a case.
0: I think one more year and you'd have to throw her into the mix. Yeah, I sure. think
1: that she is already probably the, the greatest female competitor. Female given mm-hmm. what she's done. I think the greatest of all time, and the, we actually did, we talked to, we have a, a Brian friend who's a friend of our show, uh, Talking Elite Fitness, came on and, and did something super interesting on yeah. uh, the reality of the comparison between Rich and, and Matt, if you just look at the numbers. My, so my perception is, and this ne- not necessarily is reality, but my perception is that Matt Fraser is beating better competition by more.
0: I, I, I agree with you. And, and I don't need you to go into that. Everybody, if you're listening, you're interested, head over to their podcast, listen to it, <laughs> listen to it over there. If you guys have already discussed it.
1: Yeah. yeah. But those would be, so I put Rich and Matt and then I'd probably go, I mean, tia has got to be up there. And yeah. then probably Annie Thoris daughter.
0: Okay. I think that's fair. No. Interesting. Yeah. You're choosing all athletes. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's just
1: my where the world I live in. So, yeah, yeah,
0: where a lot of people, you know, I, I always find it amusing when someone doesn't put Coach Glassman on there. Not that it's right or wrong. This is right. uh, subjective. But yeah. uh, I'm interested to hear, uh, I might have biased Tommy a little bit, but well, that's what he uh, says.
2: No, it's okay. Um, I mean, the question is the greatest CrossFitter, right?
0: I think it's just the Mount Rushmore of CrossFit, right? Oh, There's been right. great leaders in this country, but only four of them are represented on Mount Rushmore. You can argue for... Kennedy or whoever you want but in, yeah, in CrossFit
2: um well um I so first off to talk about the greatest of all time I think another interesting debate is I think Matt Fraser is the greatest individual uh, games athlete of all time
0: really and I
2: think Rich Froning is the greatest CrossFit games athlete that's
0: a given,
2: given what point. he's done, given what he's done both on the individual and team side as well so it's kind of like uh, – because Matt's only ever competed as an individual, right? So I think he's the greatest individual just because of the things we already said. So
0: so let me – I interrupted Sean earlier. Let me interrupt yeah. you. One more year, do you think Rich says, hey, Matt, join the Mayhem team? Get your five. <laughs> take your five wins. Cool. Yeah. You win that. Now join me and let's let's wreak havoc on the division for the rest of our lives. Uh,
2: I don't know. You know, the, 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 I, I almost hesitate to say no because I just think, like – It would almost be too easy.
0: It would be. I mean, it would be be like an unfair advantage. And I'm sure they would, you know, Tia's going to come. They all live there. They all train together. Imagine Frazier, Froning, Tia, and maybe Tasia or whoever else they keep on their team. That's crazy. That would,
2: it would, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Matt would want to maybe, I can see for some reason, the number seven stands out in my mind. Like, I feel like Matt could Matt could win seven and just put himself in another stratosphere. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, that would be a really good number to go out on. And then, like, he would just, you know, I, I feel like Matt's the kind of guy that would would finish and then just be like, you know, I'm good. I won my seven. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away from the sport clean um, on top. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy my time with Sammy and all that good stuff. I, and- I don't
0: so I don't, I didn't want to get into all this, but then my question becomes at what point do you tarnish your legacy if you lose? Mm. So he, if he, I think he needs to come back and win the fifth just to end the conversation about him and Froning. But then at what point, if he comes back for a sixth and loses, does it then tarnish it? I don't
1: think if you win five, I don't think he's going to tarnish it if he finishes second one year. Um, Okay. Because look, it's, it's just natural. Matt is going to be—he's going to get older. And he's not going to be as—I I think what would what tarnishes it is when you hang on for too long.
0: Right. It's like the Chuck Liddells or it's B.J. Penns like of the Jordan UFC. Jordan tried
1: to come back come back and play for the the Wizards.
0: Right now, yeah, or would, even when he did.
1: Right. You're just yeah. like, no, this is not the Michael I want to remember. I want to remember Michael with the Bulls and winning all those championships and doing his thing. Uh, I think if let's say you know Matt would win, let's say he wins six, and then he decides like, no, I'm going to keep going, and then he finishes second. And then he finishes fifth, and then he finishes tenth, and then he's down in the twenties. And you're like, okay, now at that point, you're thinking, okay, maybe you should you should step away. But so, I, mean, I think if you were to he were to win seven and finish, you know, second again sometime, I don't think he tarnishes his legacy whatsoever. But so let he, me go ahead.
0: Just because you guys get the straight up analyzing data questions, and I still want to hear Tommy's Mount Rushmore, but yeah. this is just a completely <laughs> strange question at what age can Matt Frazier still make it to the games even though he's not winning? How many years could he just continue to show up, but not win? I mean, and whether is it's, whether it's
1: 30 yet, is he, is he 30? Right. I'm saying, but if,
0: is he fit high. enough that you look at him at like, Hey, this dude, like remember when Bill Grunler used to make the games? Oh yeah. Um, people don't remember that it's too long ago, but this dude was like 45 and he at one point said, I'll never do masters cause it's almost like embarrassing, even though it's, you know, we all know it's not embarrassing. Yeah. But at what point can Fraser keep making the games, even if he's not going to win? So I, I think
2: Fraser has probably the best work-life balance between CrossFit and his time off. I think he is or, or situated his life in a way that like makes what he does sustainable, better than almost any other athlete. Um, I would not be surprised if damn i could see him qualifying 37
1: wow. 38
2: that's yeah. that puts him another nine years um but that's that's without that's assuming that um the the game as crossfit hasn't made True. that next leap forward that I feel like we've kind of been on the precipice for a while. Um, like the, like, it's like what I like and like the dis, the difference between like the 2010 to 2012 games versus like 2013 on um, when like that next level of athlete showed up. Um, I just, I just think he's not like, if you think about what it takes to be 40th at the games, 50th at the games, like that was Matt Fraser five years ago, <laughs> right. seven years ago, you know, like, so I, I think like you give him another six, seven years of like being a uh, at least three of being the best in the world, maybe four, and you give him another couple of years being a podium or top ten contender, and then you're like, you know, he's just so good at everything and he is he moves really well. He moves in a really efficient manner, which is I think is huge for longevity. Why can't he make the games at thirty-eight? You know?
0: Yeah, it's just a unique sport where you don't see the guys that are getting knocked out three fights in a row and mm. tarnishing their legacy because they're just not making it to that level i mean bridges is a great example or yeah. some of those guys that haven't made the cuts and come back go yeah. ahead and finish your mount rushmore though tommy yeah you had, you had yeah. fraser and froning can I, can I have a guy's mount rushmore and a girl's mount rushmore <laughs> sure yeah right. you can do that
2: so i think uh i'm i'm gonna stick more with athletes right now just because it's it's fun for me i'm i go Froning Fraser um spieler and ben smith
0: i like that i think that's Uh, a good
2: one. i think i think uh spieler was a uh he was kind of like what i call paradigm shifter you know he was like what almost like in jujitsu like the the idea around jujitsu was being able to give a smaller guy an advantage against a bigger opponent um and that's what spieler almost like the crossfit like ethos of like fitness regardless of size or weight you know and we can build you into this machine that can, that can basically be fit for anything, um, no matter what. And I think he was, he was like the people's champ, you know. Uh, and I, I think you know, Fernie Fraser for obvious reasons. And then um, Ben Smith, I think uh, it goes a long way to be the CrossFit Ironman, uh, yeah. to be the Lou Gehrig or the Cal Ripken Jr. of your, of your sport. Um, on the women's side, I, um, I think it's Annie. I think it's Annie, Tia, uh, Katrin, hmm. Briggs, maybe Briggs. It's, that's, t- that's, a, that's a really good one because um, I, I almost feel like I like to have like a legacy athlete in there. So a couple of years ago, it was probably Becca Voigt. Um, making it for so long and being one of the few people to qualify as a master's athlete. She's been on the podium all, all those years, but I also like the idea of having someone like a, like an Annie, Annie Sakamoto in there um, as someone who, like I said, as a paradigm shifter. So like she was one of the original nasty girls and really kind of reframed what people saw as like fitness capabilities for women in the general population. And then to do that and then suddenly show up to the games, you know, as a mom, you know, you know, heading towards what would have been, she would have been a master back then with the new, new age divisions um, and then finishing in the top 10, getting the spirit of the games and really showcasing the longevity of the fitness that you can build. And as an affiliate owner too, someone that's been around since the beginning. So.
0: Well, I think your Mel Rushmores both expressed your expertise in the sports because you probably threw some names out there, especially Tommy's list of people that are tuning in now. They're like Spieler who Annie who. <laughs> so it's, It's cool to hear some of those old-school names that were the ones – I mean, I remember watching Nasty Girls with Annie and meeting – Spieler and I took our Level 2s together in 2008. So, you know, it's cool to just hear those names still being brought up. And it's going to be fun to see in 10, 20, 30 years the names that we still talk about. Mm. And uh, I appreciate you guys being on here. Any any last-minute thoughts on the season that you wanted to share? And I'm sure you do that every week (laughs) on Talk – Talking yeah, to the I'm excited
1: about it, man. It's going to be great. I mean, I think what's cool about this year is that, you know, unfortunately last year you had all the changes and then you had a schedule that was sort of out of whack. So you had sanctioned events, then you had the open, then you had more sanctioned events. And I think that added a layer of confusion that was already on top of a, an existing layer of confusion with all the changes. I think this year it's much more clean. So we have, you know, we're going through the open right now. Then we'll have the sanctioned events. And then we'll have the game. So I think it'll be much more easy to follow. Uh, so you won't have to deal with as much of the, well, this invite gets passed down to this person, you know, retroactively because of what happened with the open uh, it'll be much cleaner this year. And, you know, I think that I'm really looking forward to seeing what the evolution of the sanctioned events are uh, th- there uh, or what the sanction with the evolution is with the sanctioned events. Um, you know, I think, all of them last year did a fantastic job of putting on a good event. A really like for the most part, the events, everything I heard were, were great. Um, now I'm seeing like what, what the next step is as far as getting them broadcast or streamed and what that's going to start to look like. Uh, and I think there's a lot of potential for some really cool stuff this year.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. We're already, we're already starting to see some, some events pivot a little bit with some of the, what they're doing. Like if uh, a isn't doing a team competition this year, but they've added, um, a pairs competition and a, like a, a non-elite division like an RX that's a little bit more community oriented. So I think those are kind of cool iterations that we'll see in year two, year three of all these events as they figure out the best way to a provide a legitimate competition to send someone to the games and B really be a rallying point for their individual communities and their sections of the world. I have to say, I'm really enjoying the open in October. Um, It's I'm the two workouts that we've gotten so far. Um, are, it's, it's, I felt like it has really indicated a big step forward in open programming um, on all levels. Uh, week one was week five pain, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> yeah. and we got it right out of the gate. I, you can could, you could make a case that it was the most painful week one workout ever. Um, and then on top of that, we get another 20-minute workout where we get to see, um, you know, dumbbell thrusters for the very first time you get to see thrusters show up outside of the last week of the open for the very first time in history. Um, and then you still get to see the accessibility of the low reps, l- relatively moderate uh, weight to make it accessible for the whole community. I've absolutely loved these two workouts, um, even though I'm still sore from from both of them. Um, and it just makes me really excited for the rest of the season, um, especially with um, the, having the open in the fall when it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a sports fan in me, I guess. It's like, I'm, like our beginning of our competition season's going well. We're in basically what's called this. We're almost in what's called the sweet spot where the NFL, yeah, the NHL, the MLB um, are, all, are all, uh, all the four major sports are going at the same time. So to have CrossFit in the mix of that um, seems really cool now. Um, so it, it's just as a sports fan, it's, there's, there's a lot to love.
0: Well, and you just reminded me I have to put my twenty point two score in, so <laughs> good call. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wasn't as happy about as my twenty point one score, but I'll but I'll take it. So yeah. I appreciate you guys being on. People want to check you out, talking Elite Fitness. They've got some great gear as well. I've been talking with Ken here, the guy that helps you guys with your apparel for oh, yeah. for some other projects as well. So the man. yeah, you guys have some great apparel. Check you guys out and. We'll look forward to seeing you on the air at all the sanctional events and ultimately in Madison, Wisconsin. Thanks Jason. Appreciate it, man. Thank Thank you. you guys very much. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did one more time, please leave us a review on Apple podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day, on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.